Good morning to you. <laughs> you didn't know there was a smile under there, did you? <laughs> Heather couldn't be with us today, so that's we are going to miss that part of our service today. That was really the one of the highlights. That was a beautiful song, beautiful, very beautiful. It sounded very angelic, you know, it's very nice. Well, before we begin, let's have a word of prayer. Father, we just want to lay this uh, message uh, before you and uh, pray for wisdom from above. Pray for the Holy Spirit to guide each one of us in his special way of just drawing each one of us closer to Christ and to one another. And uh, to reaffirm our faith and why you have called us to be Seventh-day Adventists. And we just want to thank you, Father, and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as you look at the title here, The Remnant, and I, this question could have been asked a little different, but kind of the same way, you know, what makes a person a Seventh-day Adventist, but what, why would a person choose? Maybe that was a better way of phrasing it. Why would a person choose to become a Seventh-day Adventist? Why join the Seventh-day Adventist church? So let's look at our, a couple of questions here. Does a person join the church because of the Sabbath? To keep the Sabbath? And you could say yes, but, you know, there are other options, isn't there? I mean, there are Jewish people that still keep the Sabbath. Um, there's the Seventh-day Baptist Church. In fact, uh, Joseph Bates, who's an Advent, Adventist, actually learned about the Sabbath through a Seventh-day Baptist. Um, from, what was her name? Uh, Rachel Oaks. Um, there's a worldwide church of God. Now, they've recently split into several factions. But the largest Christian Sabbath-keeping group would be Seventh-day Adventists. But you know there's well over 100 other smaller Sabbath-keeping groups. But yeah, you would join the Seventh-day Adventist church for keeping the Sabbath. But it wouldn't, be the, wouldn't actually be a defined because you really could go somewhere else. If you just wanted to keep the Sabbath somewhere, right? So, is it because we believe in the soon return of Christ? Is a person become and choose to be a Seventh-day Adventist? But you know, there are other Christians who believe Jesus is coming soon also, don't they? And do you know that the Muslims believe Jesus is coming back soon too? Is this right? So, but, you know, these two things is where we get our name. Seventh-day, you know, we believe in keeping the Sabbath, and Christ is coming soon. Adventist, Seventh-day Adventist. But I want us to look at this verse here, Revelation eleven nineteen. It says, And the temple of God was opened where? Because the original one, the real one, is in heaven, and the earthly was but a copy. Okay? And there was seen on his, or seen uh, probably in his temple, the what? The Ark of the Testament, which we would also call the Ark of the, the Covenant. And there were lightnings and voices and thunderings and an earthquake and great hail. You see, there are other people who keep the Sabbath. And there are other people who believe in the soon return of Christ. But we're just about the only people that believe that there's a heavenly sanctuary. And we believe in it so firmly that our faith really revolves around the whole idea that there is a real Ark of the Covenant in a place called the Most Holy Place in Heaven. And in that Ark is the is the Ten Commandments. Now, some people keep the Sabbath because it's the Fourth Commandment. But we take it further. 
We take it further because we believe we also have a high priest who's in the heavenly sanctuary in the most holy place. And in that most holy place is that Ark of the Covenant. And in that Ark are the Ten Commandments, the originals. And when I say originals, I'm not talking about the ones that God gave to Moses. There is an original Ten Commandments. And Moses was given them on two tables of stone, written by his own finger. But before those were the originals. And in those originals, there's a halo around the the fourth. Around the fourth. And part of the reason we keep the Sabbath is because it is the fourth commandment. But we, we keep it for some other reasons, because we know how essential keeping the Sabbath is in the end of time. I'm not just keeping the Sabbath just for myself personally. That's not why I'm, I'm a Seventh-day Adventist. I could keep the Sabbath, not even go to a church in a way, and I should be careful in saying that. But I become a Seventh-day Adventist because there's a mission with the Sabbath. It's not just a personal belief for myself. It's something we do have to preach to the world. But in that most holy place where Jesus is, he is there because he's doing something. What started once Jesus entered the most holy place? Judgment started. Wow. How many churches are out in the world that preach that we're in a judgment hour, that it started in 1844? Uh, There's just one. There's only one church that believes we're in the judgment that keeps the Sabbath and believes Jesus is coming soon. Is this true? Okay. Now, the other thing we know, and this is part of why, you don't just join this church because of the Sabbath or Jesus is coming soon, because you know there's something else that's coming soon. There's a national Sunday law. How many churches are preaching there's a national Sunday law coming? Probably just one. Does that heighten the reason for keeping the Sabbath? Absolutely. Because it's not just something I'm keeping for myself. Because I know, not so long from now, there's going to be a national Sunday law that's going to work against people's conscience. And yet we've got to go out and preach the Sabbath more fully. Part of the reason becoming a Seventh-day Adventist is because you do believe in the Sabbath, you do believe in the soon return of Christ, but you know that Jesus is in the most holy place, and in that most holy place are the Ten Commandments, and around those original is a halo right around the Sabbath, And there's a national Sunday law coming that's trampling upon those very commandments. And we've got to warn the world. And we're the only church so far that fits the description that I'm talking about. This is why you join this church. This is why we exist. But we're not done. Okay? So these three things we've looked at so far. Visibly keep the seventh day. And I put the word visibly. Because God's not just looking for people who personally keep it and nobody knows about it. You could look at our sign right out here on Main Street, or State Street, I'm sorry, but it is a Main Street, State Street. And it says the Brooklyn and all around the world, we don't just personally keep it, we visibly keep it. That's part of being the remnant. Being the remnant is to be a universal, worldwide church that visibly keeps the seventh day and we don't hide it. Because we have a mission to give it to the whole world, not simply because we want everybody to be right with God and having that law written in their hearts. 
That should be good enough in a way, but we know what's going to happen prophetically. And we've got to get this message out to the world. And we are our people who proclaim the second coming and proclaim the forthcoming National Sunday Law. Just those three things set us apart. But we're a people who keep the commandments of God and have the... So that's another mark. But let's talk about that. Have the testimony of Jesus Christ. I want to focus on the word have here a little bit. But in the same way that the remnant visibly keep the Sabbath or God's commandments, including the Sabbath, before the whole world, they will visibly have the testimony of Jesus Christ. God doesn't give us these things to hide them. God gives us these things to be the remnant, to be as visible as any church could possibly be in the world. To visibly have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Now the word have in the Greek is a present participle, and it could be translated, here's a group of people who not only keep the commandments of God, but having, having the testimony of Jesus Christ. That means they're in possession of it. We've had it in the past, right? Going back to whenever Sister White started, and we still have it. It's not something we had. It's something we have. And we always have it. It's part of who we are. And having to possess it. In what way? Visibly. Visibly. Boy, as Seventh-day Adventists, if we hide who we are and keeping the Sabbath, if we hide who we are and having the spirit of prophecy, the testimony of Jesus, boy, we are of all people most to be loathed in the world. Because God gives us this thing to be very, very visible. More visible than anybody else. Because we're the remnant. The remnant. But they possess this. Let's look at this a little further. What is this testimony of Jesus Christ? Well, the definition is given in Revelation 19.10. The testimony of Jesus Christ is, is the spirit of prophecy. There's a lot of gifts given to the church. The gift of healing, the gift of speaking in tongues, the gift of helps, gift of administration, teaching, but also prophecy. The prophetic gift. And all of them are going to exist until we reach unto that perfect man in Christ Jesus, which we've not reached that day yet. And all those gifts are given until the whole church is ready, presented as a chaste virgin for Christ, blameless. And God's still working on us. But you don't throw away the gifts until you reach that perfection in Christ. Okay? Now, This church will possess this spirit of prophecy visibly as is visible as they keep the Sabbath. So, that gift has been realized in Ellen White, right? She was given this gift. Is it visible? It is. It is very visible. Do you know that she's the most prolific writer of our time? The book Steps to Christ is the second most popular book in the world next to the Bible. The book Desires, the next most popular book on the life of Christ. And the book, Great Controversy, were to get out like the leaves of autumn to warn the world of exactly what's going to happen. That's who we are. That's why you become a Seventh-day Adventist. Not just to believe in a second coming, not just to keep the Sabbath. You do that somewhere else. You're here because of a mission. God has called us because there's something to warn the world with. There's a judgment going on right now, and this is serious business. It's serious about being a Seventh-day Adventist. 
So, this gift we should not hide. And I believe, and not every Seventh-day Adventist church does this, not every Seventh-day Adventist church when someone's baptized talks about, do you believe that this church has the gift of prophecy? Which it should be because it's God's identifying mark for this church. I didn't make up this mark. God gave it to us. It's pivotal about who we are. Now, we have keeping the Sabbath, the second coming, believe the Sunday law is coming, Jesus in the most holy place, the judgment, right? But notice what it says here, the seed of the woman. The dragon, who's the dragon? Satan, thank you. (laughs) Was wroth with the woman, who's the woman? The church. True or true church or wrong church? True True church. church. Now, in some verses, the woman does represent an apostate church, but not in this one. And went to make war with the remnant of her seed. Who's her? The woman, the woman, the woman's seed, right? The seed of the woman, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. So the remnant, this is where we find the word remnant, right? The remnant of her seed. Now let's look at this woman, because the woman represents the church. The woman's not just represented in verse 17 here. Let's look at Revelation 12. Let's talk about who this woman, in the first five verses, let's look at this. Revelation chapter 12. And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. Who is this? It's a true church, isn't it? But why does it appear as a wonder in heaven? Isn't the church on earth? Why does it appear as a wonder in heaven, if it's the church on earth? It's because when you're born again, you're born from above. Who started the church? Jesus, who came from above. You can, even right now, if you're born again, live in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He who believes in Christ and abides in Christ hath everlasting life. You can have everlasting life now. You don't have a new body now. And as long as you remain in Christ, you will receive eternal life. You will continue to be born from above, receiving. Where do you get love from? Patience. It all comes from above, friends. And so the the woman logically appears as a wonder from heaven because her whole origin, her whole existence, her power, her strength comes from heaven. And when you're born again, it's like being born into a citizenry of heaven. Some of you have dual citizenship. I just, I'm a citizen of heaven, but having accepted Christ, my citizenship is also in heaven. And if the laws of God, or not the laws of God, if the laws of man disagree with the laws of God, who should I obey? Which law of God, right? Because I'm a citizen of, of heaven, Okay. So when we look at this first church, let's look at it. Read verse 2. And she, the woman, the church, being with child, cried, travailing in birth, and pain to be delivered. So here's a church, describes a woman who's pregnant, who hasn't given birth yet. So who would this be? It would have to be those believers who believed in Christ before he was born. Enoch. You know, Daniel, 
All those who had gone before us, who before Christ was born, were waiting. Is this the Messiah? Is, I mean, even Adam had hoped that his first son was the Messiah. Is this right? And they'd been waiting and waiting and waiting for travailing to give birth until Christ would be born. This is part of who the woman is. Part of the woman, the true church, actually goes back to those who were believing in Christ's first advent. But who else does it include? Let's look at verse 6. And the woman fled into the wilderness, where she hath a place prepared of God, that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and three score days. Is this still the church? Same woman? Same truth, same true church, different age. 1260 days represents 1260 years. So we're not talking about people who lived before Christ's first advent. We're talking about those who believed in him but lived afterwards and had to flee into the wilderness from the persecution, right? Now, we're the seed of the woman. We're the seed. We're the offsprings of those who believed in the Messiah before he came. And we're the offspring and the descendants of those who believed in Jesus after he came but who've gone before us. They've already run their part of the race. And we're the remnant of that. We're the offspring of that. We have to be the continuation of everything that's been true in God's church. Every true stand, every person that had ever given their whole heart to God, we have to be a continuation of that. That's what makes you the remnant. You're not the remnant just because you share some common beliefs with these people. You're part of the remnant because you're going to continue the same faithfulness, the same dedication to run your part of the race just like they ran theirs. That's part of being the remnant. That's pretty serious, isn't it? But what a privilege. And that ties us to all those who've gone before us. What a privilege to be part of Abraham and Enoch and Daniel and and the disciples, and those who went through the Middle Ages and the Dark Ages, that we could be the offspring of that. The descendants, where it's all been passed down to us, and now we've been given the baton like in a race. And we're like the fourth runner. They've all run their part of the race, and they hand us the baton, Stanley, and now we've got to cross the finish line with it. Isn't that right? The baton has been passed to us, and all of them, if they could speak to us, they say, Run! Remain faithful. Cross that finish line. And that's who we are. We're the last runner in the race. We're the remnant. That's what it means. That's right. Now, the word seed comes from the word sperma, used frequently in the New Testament for descendants or offspring, and you see some passages here. But I want us to take this just a little step further. Galatians 3.16. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. And he saith not unto seeds as of many, but as of one. And thy seed, which is... You know, Abraham, his descendants were to be a blessing to all people. But all the promises given to Abraham weren't given through... The seeds, many. The promises aren't through the 12 sons of Jacob. The promises are all through just one. Christ. Everything's through Christ. 
We're not blessed because of the Jewish nation. We don't receive the promises through them. God used them. We have a Bible. But all our promises, everything we have, comes through Christ. Now, if he's the seed, then what does it mean to be the remnant of her seed? If the remnant, if the true church had always focused on the promise of the one, Jesus, you're not simply a continuation of the faithful who've gone before us. To be the remnant of her seed, we are to continue what? The life of Jesus. Now, that's pretty deep. Why do you join this church? Just to keep the Sabbath? Believe Jesus is coming? That's far more serious than that. It's because you want to be part of a movement that's the remnant of her seed. And that seed ultimately is Christ. That you want to be a continuation, not just of the faithful of the past, the ones who remain true. You want to be a continuation of the work of Jesus, the faith of Jesus. Wow, that's a whole life commitment. A whole life commitment. That's why you join this church. That's why God even raised us up, not just to have another denomination in the world, but to finally have a people who would continue the Reformation until the truths of God's word were brought forth. And there was a lot of churches, the Lutherans and the Methodists, they all came up with some truths, but then they stopped. And the Reformation basically died. And then God raised up the Millerites, which became the Seventh-day Adventist Church, to continue the Reformation, because we hadn't quite arrived. God still needed a people who were a continuation of the life of Jesus, who would repair the breach made in the law, who would be a people who actually kept all Ten Commandments and had the testimony of Jesus Christ. Wow. That's why we become a member of this church. And the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. And so again, just in recap, we are to what? Visibly keep the commandments. Not hide the Sabbath under a bushel. Very, very visible. Because the world needs to hear this. Because there's what's coming? A national Sunday law. And it's going to trample God's Ten Commandments and people need to be warned because that National Sunday Law is also called the Mark of the Beast. And anybody who receives the Mark, and they haven't received it yet because there's no law yet, that if they receive the Mark of the Beast, what's going to happen? Their names will not be written in the Book of Life, friends. And we know that, which is why we proclaim the Sabbath more fully. It's not just about me keeping the Sabbath. It's about sharing it with the world. Isn't that right? That's why we join this church. And visibly have the testimony of Jesus Christ. I'm not ashamed that, that we have a prophetess. That's part of God's gift to the church. They'd be like the Jews being ashamed of Isaiah or Daniel. There's nothing to be ashamed of. We get this book out because we know it's, these are inspired books. We get them out because we know they will be a blessing to the people out there, that people need to have this, okay? Well, if that wasn't reason enough, the remnant have been given a message to preach. 
Isn't this right? This is why you join this church. Keep the Sabbath. Jesus is coming soon. There's a judgment going on. But there's a message to preach. And it says in Revelation 14.6, let's go ahead and turn there. Revelation 14.6. And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven. Who is that? It's not actually an angel. It's God's people being described. Because the word angel is also the word messenger. Good. And in the midst of heaven, so... It goes to the whole world, right? So visibly, everybody can see it. That's why it's in the midst of heaven. You don't, we don't hide it. Having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth to every nation and kindred and tongue and people. And this is why the remnant church can't be a small church. It has to be a, it has to be a worldwide church. Do you know that Seventh-day Adventist church is in more countries than any other church in the world? We support 80% of all the medical missionaries around the world. And one of the reasons we're in more countries, even than the Catholic Church, as big as it is, over a billion adherents, we build schools and we build hospitals, we build what people need because this is what people need education. People need health care. And we have these all around the world. This is part of what we support when we support the church. We're supporting an infrastructure that helps train people in their own country so they can be nurses and doctors and things like that. So we help build them up. And these countries open their doors to us. Okay? But we preach the everlasting gospel to to the world. What's the everlasting gospel? Now for many, to them the gospel is you need to be forgiven for your sins. Period. But that's not the whole gospel. It is the glorious beginning of the gospel. When I give my sins to Christ and I'm born again, that's the beginning, not the end. It's the glorious beginning. That when I give my sins to Christ, it is His glory to take them. He wants to take them. He says, says, Jeff, give me your sins. I don't want you burdened anymore with guilt. I want you to be free from guilt. Give me your sins. I'm the sin bearer. Give me every one of them. That's why I came. Because there's millions of people out there who are still ridden with guilt because they haven't even forgiven themselves. And he says, I want you to be free. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how many times you've done it. I will forgive you. Just give them to me. Confess them. Now, what does he do? What's he give us in exchange for those sins? Let's turn to the book of Acts chapter um, 2. Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins or the forgiveness of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Wow. The Holy Spirit woos us, right? Nobody comes to Christ unless the Holy Spirit's wooing them. Is that right? No one's going to go to heaven and say, you know, the reason I'm here is because I personally chose to come to Jesus on my own. No one's going to say that in heaven. I'm in heaven because God loves me. 
And no matter what I was doing, the Holy Spirit drew me to his love and gave me this sense that I needed a Savior. And so God draws us through his loving arms, through the work of the Holy Spirit, to have forgiveness of our sins. We give our sins to Christ, and he gives me something for those sins. Not just forgiveness, but the Holy Spirit. And the reason he gives me the Holy Spirit is so I can now begin to live a new life. A new life. He does something else. Turn to book, book of Romans. Book of Romans chapter 4 verse 6. Book of Romans chapter 4 verse 6. Even as David also describeth the blessedness of the man. Oh, so blessed. Whom, unto whom God imputeth righteousness without before doing anything good, without works, before he does any good work, he's blessed because God imputed righteousness to his account. So this is what happened. The Holy Spirit says, Jeff, God loves you. And you need a Savior. Give your sins to Jesus. And so I come to Jesus and I say, forgive me of my sins. And I want to accept you, Jesus, as my personal Savior. And as soon as I do that, God writes my name in the book of life. Jesus takes my sins. And he gives me in return the Holy Spirit to now begin to live a new life. The life didn't end in accepting Jesus. It begins. And, according to Romans 4, 6, he imputes. The word imputes, the same word as credit. He will credit righteousness. If I accept Jesus right now, this very second, before I could do anything good, my name's in the book of life, and beside every confessed sin is the word forgiven. I've received the Holy Spirit, but he wrote something else on my account. There's my name, beside my confessed sins, the word forgiven, and credited to my account is... The righteousness of Christ. And I say, Father, you do that for me? After all that I've done, you would forgive me and you would declare to even the angels that I'm innocent? Because when he takes all those sins, I don't have them anymore. So when now God looks at me, I look as if I've never sinned. As if I'm innocent. I mean, what a loving God. So I give my sins to Christ. My name's written up there, forgiven by every confessed sin. He credits me the life of Christ without works before I do anything. So why does he give me the Holy Spirit? Do you know in this scenario there's only two lives? There's the life, the old life that I just confessed that was wrong. And now there's the life of Jesus that's accredited to me. Why does he give me the Holy Spirit to live which one of these two lives? The life of Jesus. He doesn't give me the Holy Spirit to go back and live the old life, the one I just asked forgiveness for. He gives me the Holy Spirit to live the life he just credited to me. See, friends, that's the gospel. This is what the... The people need to hear. And you know the devil doesn't want people to know this. 
The devil doesn't want the Christian world to even know that the righteousness of Christ has been credited to them, not just to be credited, but to be imparted through the work of the Holy Spirit. You see, that's the complete gospel. That's what the world needs to hear. And I don't know many churches that preach that. But that's why we're the remnant. Because that is the message of righteousness by faith. And then also, in verse 7, it says here, they fear God and give glory to Him, right? Revelation 14. For the hour of His judgment has come, and worship Him who created heaven and earth and the seas and the fountains of waters. And how do we fear God? What are we trying to tell the world as the remnant? You're the remnant. You're the continuation of the life of Jesus. You believe in the Sabbath. You believe in the judgment. And we're to tell people to fear God. How do I fear God? Let me give you an example. Let's say I was a young boy. Jeff, take out the trash. And I say, no. Do I fear my father? <laughs> well, you might, <laughs> but my of course not. <laughs> okay, I wasn't exactly going there, but uh, <laughs> I understand where you're going. Fear not to be afraid, but respect. You see, if I take out the garbage because my father asked me, do I respect my father? Absolutely. So the way to have the right fear of God is to, is to obey God, which is combined with give him glory. How do we give glory to God? What would be the highest form of giving glory to God? Now, we could go on a worship service and do this, you know. That's not it, is it? It's not a momentary worship experience. It's when you choose to be like him. Father, I want to be just like you. And I want to give glory to you in everything I do. I want to be just like you. I want to see people like you. I want to treat people like you. Because you deserve a people on the earth who are going to give you glory in everything. That's the remnant. The world needs a remnant church. And then after that, we tell the world that the judgments come. How many churches have been saying that God has opened the book since 1844? None. None, just one. Just one remnant church, friends. And you become part of that because you want to be used of God to warn the world that the judgments already started. But most people act as if there's not going to be a judgment. But they need to hear that, that there is. That there is accountability for our actions and our thoughts. And that there's hope. God wouldn't give us a judgment hour message if he wasn't warning us and giving us hope. I mean, what would be the point of telling us that we're going to stand condemned and have no hope? He warns us just like Noah warned of a flood coming because there's hope because you could get on an ark. 
The judgment has come, and then to encourage the world to worship him who's the creator. In a world in which most people believe in evolution. But friends, you look out in the world, and it's, it's so perfectly designed. I mean, look at yourself. You didn't evolve from some simple organism. If you did, you wouldn't look like you look like right now. You'd look pretty scary, I'd say, if, if you evolved through mutations. Because that's what evolution is. It's all about mutations. Things that aren't really supposed to happen. Things that are mostly lethal. 99.99% lethal. You don't look like you do now. But you look like you do because you were made in God's image. And everything works together. Your eyes are not just something physical, they're chemical. You have to have not just the right structure, all such fine-tuned parts of the eye. There's chemical things happen in the eye that allows you to see, which has to have a brain to interpret it. And it doesn't do much good to have an eye if you don't have a body. It all works together. There's not one part of the body that survives without the whole body. It won't make any sense. It's all there to work together, as the rest of our whole world is. And to tell the world that is part of why you join this church. And then, of course, it points to the Sabbath, doesn't it? Okay? But here's the other thing. The second angel's message is to say, you know, I want to be part of warning the churches for having fallen. That you're concerned that there are churches that say that the law's been done away with. And that people can talk to the dead. And you're concerned. You're concerned that they believe in a secret rapture or there's a military battle of Armageddon and you're concerned because they, they've rejected truth and they could have accepted it. Every one of these Protestant churches had an equal opportunity to accept the truth when it was preached in the 1800s. And there's not one denomination that accepted it, which is why God had to raise up a new church. Not one of them. And then they became fallen churches. How many people want to preach that message? How many churches do? And that's not it. There's third angel's message. How many churches go out and warn the world that there's going to be the worship of the beast and the image of the beast and the mark of the beast. Now, there's some that preach the mark of the beast, but they got it as a computer chip. And they've got different interpretations, but they're not right. It's part of why you join this church. It's not one thing. It's this package of things. And God needs a people who accept the whole package. And warn the world. And it doesn't even end with these three. Part of the three angels' message is verse 12. That is a description of those who keep the commandments and have the faith of Jesus. Because you can't just tell people these churches are fallen and not tell them that there's one that's a remnant. That's a pretty bleak message. The whole world's going to fall apart. <laughs> wow, that's encouraging. All the churches are fallen. No, part of the message is that you come out because there's something to come into. And that's part of the message too. 
It's a privilege to be part of this church, isn't it? Amen. Absolutely. I just want to conclude. Do I have a few minutes to conclude? There's some remnant stories. I'll just go through these real quick. We're not the only remnant in the Bible. We are in the end of time. But there's been remnants before us. Noah was a remnant. You know, there was... How many people got on the ark? And Jesus said that the end of time would just be like, just like the time of Noah. He preached, and you know that the story about Noah and the flood is not mostly a story about destruction. It's mostly a story about salvation. It's mostly a story about hope. It's a story that says the possibility of humanity's destruction. Because the thoughts of men were continuously evil. But God had a a preacher of righteousness in Noah, and there would have been others, to encourage people to get on the ark. That the world's coming to an end, but there is hope. And that's what we're saying to the world. The world is coming to an end. There will be seven last plagues. But friend, there's, there's hope. There is safety. There is an ark. It's in a message. And that message is in Christ. And you have to cling to it and not let it go. You have to embrace it. It's the only way you're going to be safe. Otherwise, you're just going to be just swept away. And so the story of Noah teaches us these kinds of things. And then there's Lot. That's a remnant there too, because Sodom and Gomorrah was what? Completely destroyed, just like the world was in the flood. And again, the the story of Abraham, Lot, and Sodom and Gomorrah is not a focus on destruction, but on salvation and hope. But if you're going to survive, you have to what? You have to flee from destruction. You have to flee from it. Don't tie yourself to destruction or anything that destroys, whether it's your body or your mind, because in the end, the world will be destroyed. And the way to flee from it is to come out. And that's what many of these fellow Christians who are in, most of them are in these other churches, love Jesus just like you do. Love truth, they just haven't heard it all like you have. But when they hear it, they're going to embrace it. But that's why God raises up and brings people to his churches so he can use us to get it to them, just like we freely received it. But you know, in the end of time, there's going to be a sense of fleeing, isn't there? What do we flee from in the end of time? You've got to flee from the cities. Isn't that what we've been told? It's coming a time, friends. We just have to put everything on the altar. God knows the time. Now, I can't tell you the day or hour of Christ's coming. I don't know the day they're going to pass the National Sunday Law, but I can tell you that the signs are out there. And I know God's in control. All we can do is put stuff on the altar. You know... When Alina and I got married back in 1989, we started our family right away because we thought, oh, our kids will never reach seven years old. 
And now Nathan's going to be 31 this year, you know. And, and they both got married this year. But I still believe Jesus is coming soon. He is coming soon. We just don't know when. But we've got to flee destruction. Okay? One last story. Jacob and Esau. There's a sense of a remnant there, right? Because Jacob thought what? That Esau was going to destroy his whole family. So he divided his family up and had some go this way and that way so that Esau couldn't find them all in one spot. So he thought, for sure, Esau's going to slay my family. It's an interesting remnant story that teaches us that the greatest persecution comes from within. And, uh, but it teaches something even far more important than that. Jacob, fearing for his life, wrestles with the angel, but the angel is, is Jesus. And he doesn't let him go until he what? Blesses him. Until he gets to a point where he's confessed and he's at peace with God. And he says, my name is Jacob, meaning supplanter. He's confessing that he supplanted, he cheated. He was a cheater. And when he confessed who he was, then God could change his heart. And in the end of time, the remnant, our only survivability is to do what Jacob did. He just grabbed on to Christ. And you never, you never let go. Whenever you're tempted, you never let go. Not until you give me the victory. Not until you help me with this. Every relationship, you hang on to Christ. He's the great healer. He's the great problem solver. He's the one that's going to prepare us for every last day event, every, every trial. There's nowhere else to go, friends. Nobody knows the future. Nobody has the power. Nobody has this ability other than Christ. And so in this remnant story, we realize that ultimately to be part of the remnant is to make Christ everything. We're not just a people who keep the Sabbath. We don't just believe he's coming back. We believe that without him, we can do nothing. We are absolutely helpless. But with him, we can do all things. Isn't that right? It is good news. But choosing to be a Seventh-day Adventist will be the most serious decision you'll make as far as being part of a church family. And that is uh, a privilege we all take with us. And that privilege just simply means that we have a lot to share with the world. That's why we're here. And uh, I'm thankful to take this journey with you. I think time is short, and there's a great deal of work for all of us to do. But take courage. If you're the remnant of the seed, that seed is, you're just simply continuing the life of Jesus for these last days.
before we have our closing prayer, our closing hymn is, is it 216? I think we changed it. Okay, but go ahead. Okay, so we're doing our closing hymn today is going to be 216, When the Roll is Called Up Yonder, number 216, if we could all stand. After this service, there's a fellowship meal, right? And all are invited. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we just want to thank you that you have called each one of us to be part of this last day movement, to give this precious light to the world. And help us, Father, to to empower us, to give us that zeal for your glory and the the power necessary to go forth with an attitude of, of a victorious attitude. So, Father, we thank you for your perfect way of dealing with the human family and that you've always raised up reform movements, always raised up voices because of your love to the human family. So, Father, may we take all that we've received from you and continue to receive and grow and freely give as we have freely received. And this we pray in Jesus' name. 
Amen.